dark side. Okay, no, uh, please get your get your questions ready. I'm just as excited. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, the direction that, that that Commander Kelly goes because, like you mentioned, uh, you know, the astronauts working tandem uh, with some of those partners in the past, uh, extremely professional, uh, extremely diplomatic to keep those operations going. Uh, and I should note those operations are continuing. So I think this will be an interesting, a very interesting discussion uh, to see what he could add to this. I know he's no longer in that position, uh, but they're consummate professionals and, they're, and they always um, act with, with integrity and with professionalism uh, just to add that to whatever whatever discussions we have. So I'm, I'm super excited. Um, sorry, we're having trouble pulling people up. I know if you're requesting, if it's spinning, um, just, just be patient with it. If it takes too long, just... Um, drop down and come back up, send us again. Uh, Nina, I know you've been waiting a while, and then peace. Uh, thank you, Bernie. Uh, I really like how Alex Cartelli put it uh, with uh, uh, the West, uh, like that we can beat uh, Putin and uh, in the way he said it. And uh, did you, Alex, uh, say that there are uh, some new HIMARS coming from Pentagon, did you say that? And also, I would like to ask, uh, what is the, um, like the meaning of, uh, for example, the, the Crimea bridge, if they uh, bomb it? What, what, that, what would it mean for the Russians? Thank you. Hang, hang on, Nina. I had a hard time hearing the end of that. Could you repeat that? I heard the Kerch bridge. Oh, oh no. I said uh, the Crimea bridge. Did he mention the Kerch, uh, some other bridge? But, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Could you restate that? So when you're when you're speaking of Crimean Bridge, are you are you speaking the the bridge between mainland uh, uh, Russia and the Crimean Peninsula, or are you speaking of a of a bridge between Crimea and uh, and Ukraine? Yeah, uh, bridge between Ukraine well, and. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, sorry, a, a, a bridge between. You're, you're talking about a bridge between the the mainland of Ukraine and the Crimean Peninsula. So you're talking yeah, about the yeah, northern yeah. portion. Okay, no, we were we were speaking of um, we were speaking of the the bridge that goes between Russia uh, and the Crimean Peninsula earlier that was that was okay. used with obscuring. Okay, but what what would it happen? What would it mean if that would go? Thank you. If the bridge would go, is that what you're you're asking, Nina? Yeah, yes. If it would go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, well. It probably would be very bad news. Uh, it's an almost uh, six thousand. I believe it was. Um, if someone could give, give us the distance here, it's a very long bridge. Um, actually, I think uh, I used unit six thousand feet. It's sixty thousand feet. If I used the wrong unit before, um, very long bridge, uh, and it's a it's a double bridge. So it has rail on one side, two way rail on one side, and it has two-way traffic uh, on the other bridge. Uh, so very big engineering project and, and connects uh, that peninsula, uh, connects the Crimean Peninsula with Russia. Um, lots of traffic, lots of rail support. Uh, it'd be a very bad day. I mean, it's a, it's a cultural icon um, to the Russians who placed the bridge there. Uh, so it maintains that value, but it maintains strategic value in terms of uh, supplying the Crimean Peninsula from Russia. Uh, yeah, but things. would it be possible for the Ukrainians to take it out? Well, I think we've had some some very good speakers up here discussing that. Uh, I don't know if I can add a ton of value. I, I think a lot of things are possible. Uh, I don't know if it's it's possible in this moment. Uh, and, I, and I think the, just to give a little context to it, the reason the discussion came up today is because there were some 
some what looked like rehearsal or practice drills or, or could be operations uh, to use obscurant to uh, whether it's practice or potentially obscure portions of the bridge. So um, if I just draw on that, I would say uh, if they're practicing, they may be practicing to anticipate something or they may be practicing uh, for the potentiality of, of what's yet to come, whether that's today, tomorrow, a month from now. Uh, six months from now, uh, but I know for for quite some time uh, that that's a focus, you know, a public focus, a very uh, culturally significant component uh, that the Russians installed after the invasion in 2014, uh, the invasion of the Crimean Peninsula and the Donbass. So there's many people that would like to see that go. So all I can draw from it is that the fact that you're seeing rehearsals and practices means that the uh, the Russians are trying to prepare for any contingency that might happen to that bridge. And, and a lot of us would love if that bridge wasn't there. Uh, but we just have to have patience in, in terms of uh, seeing that. I don't think, it, I don't think the, the drills or the practice or the operations that, that I remarked upon today um, would mean that anything is imminent or likely. Uh, but we just like to uh, bring it up because uh, it's interesting when we see the, the Russians conduct their operations on something of, of significance like the Crimean Bridge. Uh, thank you, Goni. That was a good. That answered my actually what I was thinking, and and I can't wait for this to happen. Is Smokechaff going to do any good against an Atacams, or is that purely for them to not be able to correct fire with artillery? I mean, I would assume uh, an Atacams missile is coming in so fast; it probably has some kind of radar homing or some other. Well, it, it's not. It's not going to do like even with the older uh, in, inertially guided missiles. It's not going to do anything because it's already got, you know, its its points plotted before it even gets there. Exactly. Right. And uh, you know, artillery. You know, just keep firing until you hit something. You know, they make a big big flash when they uh, when they hit metal. Yeah, I would think uh, whatever they're using to create the smoke uh, is in a very precarious situation. All by itself. Well, there, there's a couple like uh, individual soldiers would have like uh, smoke grenades on them. Like uh, they do make smoke pots uh, that are about the size of a margarine container, uh, and they they'll 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 smoke up in a, in like an, an area. But uh, there there are like smoke generators that you can put on vehicles and uh, ships. I, I believe ships just dump diesel fuel into uh like onto the manifold of the engine and you spew it out the uh out the stack and what and whatnot that's that's what that white smoke is so when you go and see um like the snowbirds or the the blue angels or uh or or the the thunderbirds or something like that the white smoke that's essentially they're ejecting diesel fuel into the uh exhaust stream Fantastic. And I just want to make an update here. If it seems like I'm, I'm preoccupied or, or we are, it's because our team is busy behind the scenes, uh, both getting the space to restart here in six minutes. So just want to give that update. And the reason we're going to restart the space is we were having a few issues, but uh, we're going to change the name tags on this because we have Space Commander Kelly coming in for a great interview here uh, in less than 24 minutes. So apologies while we uh, get switched over here. But again, the space will be restarting in six minutes. And apologies for any preoccupations that are happening because we're trying to uh, get all the uh, players in place behind the scenes so that we can both restart the space, get the hosts up to where they need to be, uh, get Space Commander Kelly in here, and get you guys prepared uh, for a wonderful discussion here at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So bear with us. Space will restart 
look for it. That's uh, six minutes from now. The space will be restarting here on our scheduled program, uh, and we'll get the uh, space changed uh, and the name tags changed and updated over to Space Commander Kelly. So please, everyone that's listening, please uh, look for that new space that is coming. Uh, if you see this disappear, it will pop back up with Space Commander Kelly and the tags for Walt Report. Uh, so just bear with us here in the next few minutes while we uh, get this sorted out and, and feel free to uh, ban- banter along here. But if it, if it seems that we're meandering without a focus, that's just because uh, we are doing, uh, we're biding our time here to not bite off too many questions, uh, but to get the table set for everybody so that we can have a fabulous discussion at, at 2 p.m. Eastern. So bear with us. May I? Go ahead. Uh, good afternoon again, everyone. Uh, actually, uh, Ghanaian gentlemen, I just wanted to uh, highlight wanted to highlight about the space ahead of it. You just you just uh, mentioned it that it's going to restart. And the other thing is that the YouTube live feed is currently dead since we restarted the space, so it's no longer working. I don't know if you would be looking into that but might be useful also to get it up and running once you restart the space. I know some people do follow it over YouTube, and that was just my sort of technical request update. Thank you. We will be sure to get that reconnected. Thank you very much. You're most welcome. My pleasure. And I will allow myself to listen. Thank you. Thank you, Peace. Thank you. Uh, yep. So uh, if anyone out there is listening, yeah, there's a, a ton of crew behind the scenes that are making this all work. And sometimes uh, if it looks like the pieces aren't there, please mention it to us like Peace did. Uh, it's helpful. And I know that the Space Commander Kelly Space, uh, it's a unique function of Twitter because it was a scheduled event in advance. The, the space will end and restart under him. Uh, but yeah, please let us know of these things and, and bear with us. And apologies for our... Uh, Apologies for our preoccupations, but we uh, are looking so forward to this uh, interview at 2 p.m. Eastern with Space Commander Kelly. And again, the space will be restarting shortly. That was a perfect segue to remind everybody that we do have a YouTube account set up where we uh, clip and highlight some of our more prominent featured speakers. Um, I've found that is an excellent way to introduce people to the Walter Report. It's kind of hard to impress upon them all the information that I've gathered and uh, benefited from over the last four months. But uh, if you're trying to give somebody a taste of the high quality people that we have in here from time to time, uh, Gunny excluded, uh, send them over to the Walter Report. And, and welcome, Gunny. I think excuse Gunny, me, send them over to the YouTube account or share with them the YouTube account, and they can, you know, pick and choose, and and maybe they'll be a little more tempted to come in and listen uh, onto the live stream. Hey, Gunny, how you doing? I took a swipe at you, but all in jest. That's right, Ryan. You have no hair, so you can get away with anything, as far as I'm concerned. Because um, I, I just feel sorry for you, dude. I really do. Well, see, that's uh, that's karma for me. My brother lost his hair in his early 20s, and I ridiculed him at, for it through my 20s. And then about the time I hit 30, it just slowly started disappearing, and it's been rapidly increasing ever since. I save a lot of money on my haircut budget, though. Yeah, mate, I, I dread it. But when, when I start losing my hair, I'll have to get a grade one all over. I've had that once before in 91, um, and I look like Smeagol. So, actually, I do a really good Smeagol impression as well. So, um, it'll be quite bad. Um, just a quick one. Reference that smokescreen. Um, yeah, it, it impairs visual um, observation. It also impairs infrared. 
and um, we think they probably use it on their ships as well. And if they've done what the US Navy experimented with a few years ago, they might put carbon filaments in it to degrade radar performance. Um, there's a, an actual system they use. It's run by their chemical troops, their ded dedicated cat badge. Um, it's called the TD2, I think, or the TD3. And it tells me they are the, their asses are, 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 are tightening about a potential strike, probably on that vulnerable point that's kind of halfway where it goes to like the bridge goes to like a can not a cantilever but if if you have a look at it there's there's an there's an obvious vp point on that bridge that that's probably where they would do a, a, a strike on it so I sorry for that um back to you again in, in few seconds we are literally restarting the space right now um at top of the hour commander scott kelly joins us and uh, again he was the commander of international space station spent 520 days in space and he joins us at two we are restarting the space right now so please just uh, rejoin we request we'll add you to speaker box as you were but the space has to be restarted so this is the warning give a follow to walter report account and the space will reappear on Walter Report account with the title of uh, Scott Kelly, um, Commander Scott Kelly joining us. Again, this is the restart. The space will reappear in less than a minute. Minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back um, again. As we have announced, Commander Scott Kelly will join us at the top of the hour at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Eastern Standard Time. And meanwhile, we'll let our audience to gradually grow. Um, until then, please stay put. Please, please DM us your questions, and uh, we'll get our co-hosts in place. Yehuda Joe will join us momentarily, and uh, Ryan and Battle moves to you. It's Friday. July 1st, 12, uh, 1.45 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Gunny, please go ahead. You were telling us about the smoke chaff and that they might put some carbon filament in it, which made me wonder uh, how hazardous that shit is to breathe. But uh, please continue. I think you were going to say something about the radiation dampening effect. We, we got to bring them up as a speaker. And, for and uh, we're, we're just speakers ourselves, so we don't have co-host abilities. Uh, yeah, and uh, just for the record, it's a call to our audience. Please do share and retweet the space. It's a blue button on the bottom right of your screen with a plus sign. Please do share and retweet the space. And again, Commander Scott Kelly will join us at the top of the hour. And in the meanwhile, we'll leave it to our current co-hosts. And uh, Joe will join us momentarily as well. That said, back to you, Bill. You bet. Uh, at the bottom of your screen, and I have Android, so uh, I, do, I don't know how it is for, uh, for, for all you with iPhones, but there's the little, there's the, your mic, there's a little double man, there's a heart with a plus sign, and there's the uh, little triangle. So if you click on the little triangle, uh, it gives you an option to copy link. So you can share that link with, uh, say, somebody that doesn't have Twitter. 
share with it on uh, whatever texting or uh, your Facebook or Instagram and whatnot. It'll, it will it will link directly back to the space. Now they won't have the ability unless they have a Twitter account to interact in this, but they can listen to it. So that's that's also also an option. And Twitter does track the analytics of the number of listeners. And you you may look down there and say, oh, you know, there's only 300 uh, people listening. But we have thousands of listeners uh, that are that are listening to the space at any given time. So once again, please retweet. Uh, do us a solid. Uh, we'd uh, we'd quite enjoy that. Can we get there are some who call him? Move back up to a speaker, please, or get a couple of co-hosts. Um, I was really interested in the info that Gunny was uh, providing us. One second there, brother. I'm working on it. Uh, I just got uh, uh, raised a co-host. And uh, unfor- unfortunately, when I went to co-host, uh, my mute button-, button stopped working. Oh, yeah, that's a fun one. If you push it like a dozen times really fast, it'll usually lock you in mute. You have to push it a dozen times really fast to get back out of it. Yeah, as stated earlier, Twitter Spaces occasionally gives us uh, technical difficulties. We are somewhat used to it. Um, works best if you're simply speaking directly from your phone without using headsets or any contraptions or Bluetooth. Um, from different headsets, AirPods are the least conflicting with the space and its software. Um, so that works well for our practical experience. Other than that, just try to stay on one type of connection, either 5G or just mobile connection or Wi-Fi. Because when there is an interchange between two, switching between Wi-Fi or mobile, it also create, creates issue for the space and your connectivity in the space. If you're a speaker, and there is uh, any connection issue, we will just drop you and immediately, instantaneously uh, re-invite and therefore you continue. That, that shouldn't be an issue as well. So these are just technical notes here. And uh, back to you, Battlemus and Ryan. And Joe will join us shortly as well. We lost our gunny for a minute. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to bring him back up. So for anybody that may just tune in, he was... Uh informing me a little more technically about uh, the smoke chaff that we witnessed the Russians deploying over the Kursk Bridge. Yeah. Go ahead, Gunny. Yeah, cheers, Ryan. Um, yeah, yeah, so um, what I was saying is that the Russians have quite a big um, dedicated chemical um, chemical troop. I mean, these, these boys deal with everything from sort of decontamination through to smoke, um, um, marking out uh, safely through uh, irradiated areas post sort of nuclear strike that kind of thing so what what you saw today was a probably a, a functionality and equipment check for the for the big td2 um lorries so um contrary to what people having a, a laugh at and pointing and saying oh look they think smoke works smoke can work we don't know the exact composition of this we do know they did a, a few years ago a very big experiment at a, a Russian naval base where they effectively put a, a fog down um, over uh, over a city where where they, one of their submarines uh, submarine facilities are, and it lasted three days. Uh, what it does is obviously visual; it can block 
infrared. Uh, so that will impact on um, surveillance asset, uh, satellites, that kind of thing. And if they've gone down the same road as the US Navy did a few years ago, and I, I can't find anything exact at the moment, but they may be playing around with carbon filaments, things like that in the smoke. And that could degrade radar capability as well. We don't know to what degree. I certainly wouldn't want to be sniffing this stuff, put it that way. It's not going to be particularly good. Um, but the fact that they're doing it on, on the bridge tells me that they are now getting a little bit concerned about some kind of long-range strike on it. There are some BPs, some vulnerable points on that bridge as well. Okay, everyone. Thanks, Agani. We are going to start our process of kicking off for our next guest, Commander Scott Kelly, Captain Navy retired. I don't know what's higher up on the food chain, being a space station commander or a Captain Navy, so I think we'll just go with Sir. Um, we're just going to cycle people down here. So you got the, the main account. We um, we are having some technical difficulties. We've just restarted, um, so we're going to... Uh, uh, have a small panel we can try <clears throat> after maybe a half an hour 45 minutes of uh easy uh easy listening we'll try to uh start bringing people back in uh, hopefully it doesn't screw up the uh the uh the space we we, we we've had a lot of pets today we don't have a, a nest now because of it but we're going to put up one one thing in the nest and then we'll kick off with the commander and hopefully uh, we can start adding people again and just be patient with us because, uh, as you know, the last couple of weeks have been a little poopy with, um, with, the, uh, with the space. Uh, if everyone could retweet the blue button there with a plus sign in it, uh, retweet the space and start uh, letting everyone know that Station Commander Kelly, uh, that's his at on Twitter, uh, and he is a, uh, a pretty world-famous uh, superstar, um, and we can't wait to have him here. And uh, uh, in addition, he um, you could check him out. He is a Twitter personality as of late, stood up for Ukraine, um, had a bit of a tete-a-tete, uh, an impolite one with the former or with the, with the Russian space agency head. Uh, and it uh, disintegrated into a bad situation where he was blocked by said individual. Uh, but uh, true to his you know, code of ethics and responsible behavior, he uh, he definitely uh, was the class act and a gentleman throughout, and uh, didn't didn't get goaded or baited into into this uh, uh, Twitter fight. Uh, a lot to discuss: um, what Russia can do uh, in space, how it can being transigent um what are what questions we'll be asking as well will include what's the future hold for uh for space uh space activity uh collaborative space work um is this a changing this is a point of change uh in 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 how planning is done uh, will will the united states ever rely on russia uh, in any regard vis-a-vis uh, -vis space. Uh, these are all really important questions. I'm kind of paraphrasing some of them that have come in over the last uh, couple days. So we really thank you. Um, uh, thank you. Hold on. We've got some people sending messages. Okay, Twitter space is not showing up on the app. Again, yes, we, we, that's why we're trying to uh, make things uh, as tight as possible here. If you... Oh, it looks like we have. So without further ado, uh, I wanted to welcome... Uh, 
Station Commander Scott Kelly, Captain Navy, retired, sir. I don't know what's better. Whatever you want. Scott works. Scott works. Just don't call you late for dinner. Yep, that's about it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Walter Report. I don't know how how much Walter told you about us, but we've uh, we're a disparate group of people from around the world who, for the last four months, have been running a twenty four seven. I don't want to say info op, but uh, speaking truth to power. Uh, we have Ukrainian voices. We have analysts from all over the world, the tops of the field. Uh, some some would even say the highest in their field, including yourself, physically and, and, and literally. Uh, so we want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us. Yeah. Hey, uh, my pleasure and uh, very respectable what you guys are doing. It's important work, you know, keeping people informed about what's, you know, really going on. And, of course, you know, the longer this uh, goes on, unfortunately, you know, I think it's human nature for for people to lose interest. So I think your job becomes even uh, more important. Thank you. Yeah. And just so you, I don't know if again, you're aware, but for the new audience members who are here, uh, Walter report started before the war began. Uh, we married up with Maria aid, which is a group, I think, you know, of Canadian officers, a uh, former commanding officers of the um, NATO missions in, in, in Ukraine, Our task force commanders, a lot of the, ancillary staff, staff officers, uh, I myself, I'm a staff officer, Walter has said it. Uh, so we've, we've got people from all over the world now, from all countries. Uh, Colonel Vindman, Alexander Vindman comes on here, uh, John Spencer, some really cool cats. Uh, and we, uh, we always, uh, we really appreciate the analysis, the, the detail, the insight that you bring to the table. So we try to give the facts to people through Ukrainian voices on the ground, real life reporting, and then we like to talk about what does it mean and what are the next steps. So that's what uh, this is all about. And, yep. uh, again, we're so happy to have you. Hey, a question for you. Do you don't notice if any of your listeners are uh, in Russia? You know, we, we do get some, uh, not too many, to be honest. And then the ones we have, we are a little mindful of their intentions because they will often uh, adopt the persona of, a, uh, of an expat. Uh, living in, uh, in 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 Moscow, for example, but originally from London, but with a very strange mixed accent, uh, and <laughs> always saying, "Well, I, this is, war is awful," you know. Uh, but uh, just asking questions and and how long, you know, what about NATO and you know yeah. uh, the typical talking points. So we uh, we obviously see, you know, we, we're respectful and we try to do the right thing. Um, Sometimes we're better at it than, than not, but yeah, we, we do get some. We have we have a whole ton of Russian expats living yeah. in the West that sure come on. Yeah, well, right? hopefully, hopefully some of the some of the trolls that uh, you know live on my Twitter account from Russia are listening in. It would be awesome. Oh, I, uh, I'm Scott. I bet you they are. I bet you they are. Uh, we've we've been getting we've been, up to the run up to you being here. We've had quite a few interactions, interesting ones with people coming on. Um, you're a popular guy over there, maybe for the wrong reasons, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably. So, yeah, but I'm not. On, I'm not yeah. on the list yet. I wanted to be banned forever. Yeah. But you know, I, I think the, it's a the sign. night's still young. Well, I think it's an indicator. Really, the fact that like I'm not on there. Uh, Mark Hurtling is not on there. I was talking to him about that, General Hurtling, and uh, you know, both of us think it's just an indication of just overall Russian incompetence that they'll. Uh, you know, put people that are McCain? dead. Yeah, they'll put people that are dead on that list, but not the not the two guys that are telling Russian soldiers how to how to uh, sabotage your own 
uh, tanks and, uh, you know, and ships and aircraft. Yeah, now it's, uh, like, sometimes uh, we'll make a joke that the Twitter space isn't working well because it's Russian Wi-Fi and it doesn't work. A lot of the staff officer work in Russia apparently didn't work. Not even, not only that, but even in the run-up to the actual invasion, a very mixed bag, I'd say. They've underwhelmed us, no? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, just part of the, uh, you know, their their form of government being a, a kleptocracy. It's not conducive to doing, you know, complicated things uh, well. Uh, you know, when you have the guy who's responsible for buying the truck tires, buying the cheapest tires he can have so he can pocket the rest of the money. Yep, or even the fellow with the, uh, the uh, uh, what do you call them, on the Navy ship there. Uh, the blades, propellers. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. You heard about that guy, right? He uh, switched no. out the brass ones for... Oh yeah, oh yeah, thirty-nine million rubles. Uh, a destroyer captain in the Russian Navy um, sold his brass propellers for two stainless steel ones and pocketed uh, forty million rubles in between. Huh. Well, hopefully the, that'll become a trend in the Russian Navy. Other ship captains will, will do similar things. Maybe we can uh, encourage them. Yeah, hundred percent. All <laughs> right. So just a bit, a bit of housekeeping, everyone. Please retweet the space. Let everyone know we're here. Uh, appreciate it and uh, bottom right corner so uh, you know I, I, I had a I'm kind of unfortunately sometimes known for dad jokes so I was gonna say you know here we have a world-renowned astronaut uh, and I was gonna let you know we share something in common uh, uh, when I was in grade five I got a birthday card from my grade five teacher mrs. Ruby she said you are out of this world and had a picture of an astronaut so I thought we uh, you know 30 years later who would have thought it right here, here we are yeah I never got something like that from my teachers. Maybe that's the tip. Don't don't do it if they if you want them to be astronauts. Yeah, I think I pretty much underwhelmed them. Uh, who's who's laughing now? <laughs> Great. Yeah. All right, so um, we uh, we got a whole bunch of questions. We're going to mix up. Um, and uh, first of all, I mean, we often ask uh, when Mark Hurling was here, General Hurling. You know, um, what's your what's your assessment of where we are at today? It's always a good question to start, and then we'll go from there. Russian invasion. Yeah, so you know, I, I only know what I see on the on the news here, and I read online. You know, certainly it seems like in the in the east, is, uh, you know, it's starting to look like I don't know, maybe some kind of a stalemate. I think at best, I even hear about you know the the progress uh, Russians are making. You know, it's hard to know what is uh, you know what is real and what isn't. It seems like you know uh, Ukraine. You know, military is kind of doing the right thing by holding their cards close um, with any kind of progress they're making. Uh, but it doesn't look to me as, you know, optimistic as it was in the beginning, you know, when everything was so, uh, you know, lopsided in, in favor of Ukraine in the start. So, um, but I'll tell you what, I have every confidence that this is going to turn out, um, you know, positive for uh, the right side of this war and the right side of these the issue here, and that's in uh, favor of Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. Hundred percent. Yeah, no. So definitely, there's a definite uh, mobile defense delay strategy in Donbass, trading space for time. That's something we talk a lot about here. I will like to point out. I would like to point out that just of late, I went through my own uh, uh, data. Uh, so technically, the Ukrainians have actually gained more 
land in Kherson and Kharkiv areas than they've lost in Donbass. So the net would be actually positive, which is good. But no, definitely tracking that it's a sluggish battle. Uh, some estimates show that it might take up to about another two months before the rest of the equipment that's been promised gets there. And that's hopefully when we see some counter moves, counter counterattacks by Ukrainian forces. Okay. Um, aside from that, uh, let's. Can we speak about something that is obviously near and dear to uh, you? Obviously, is what what does this mean for Russian and American cooperation in space in the future? Is there a future? What does it mean for global space research uh, and activity like that? Well, you know, I know NASA is currently, and I say currently committed to maintaining the the part partnership on the International Space Station. And uh, the, the primary reason is just the design of the space station makes it very, very complicated to have Russia uh, pull out of it or likewise for the U.S. to pull out. Um, the Russian segment of the space station, for those who aren't familiar, the space station is basically in, in two separate, distinct, large parts. There's the Russian segment, and there's what's called the U.S. operational segment, uh, which consists of U.S. modules, but also uh, the European module, the modules from Japan, the Canadian robot arm, uh, you know, some other modules that were made in Italy, storage modules. And uh, uh, it's like this kind of symbiotic relationship, not by design, really. It was more a matter of that's... uh, you know, it was probably the cheapest way to do it. Uh, Russia provides uh, a uh, method of reboosting the space station, uh, raising its orbit or lowering its orbit if required. Um, but also the sole way we maintain attitude control, large uh, changes in the space station's attitude. Um, the U.S. side now has the capability to, to reboost the space station. We actually demonstrated that with a Cygnus resupply vehicle, uh, I think just less than a week ago. Uh, so we can adjust the attitude up and down, but, and we can control the, the, ad, ad, we can adjust the altitude up and down. We can control the attitude of the space station using control moment gyros in a very small, precise, um, change but over time, those gyroscopes become saturated, and you need the thrusters on the Russian side to uh, what's called desaturate these gyroscopes so then they can t- continue to work properly. Uh, so the Russians provide that, and that's, um, you know, that's really the, the big reason why I think we even still allow them to be partners. Had it not been for that, I, I, I think, you know, they, they might have just been kicked off the space, not even you know, giving them a chance to quit. Uh, so is, they, it, is that, in, is that, in, are you mentioning that in particular because the uh, head of the uh, Russian uh, agency there threatened to let the, um, the station uh, crash into earth? Yeah. You know, he threatens a lot. Uh, he also said he was going to blame it on me. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it would be on my conscience, which uh, was kind of a odd thing to hear from the head of the Russian space agency that I was going to be responsible for the demise of the space station because I called him a name. Uh, or you seem you might have been more surprised that he knew what a conscience was. Yeah, right. So, you know, NASA's committed to maintaining this partnership present. Now, this is my opinion. You know, certain things I think can happen that we would, uh, you know, 
just quickly abandon that. You know, some things to me outweigh the importance of cooperation in space. You know, things like genocide, you know, war crimes. And, you know, I think if, uh, you know, Putin, you know, changed his, his plan and, and uh, you know, started using like WMDs for, as an example, I don't, I don't see us cooperating with the Russians on the space station after something like that would happen. Now, having said all this, assuming we do get to the, you know, the, the logical land of the space station, which currently is 23rd, I can't imagine uh, the U.S. government or even the European Space Agency uh, ever cooperating with Russia again in space under, you know, the current government. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, things could change that might make them be more, uh, you know, more legitimate uh, partners. But, uh, you know, we don't get much from their participation now anyway, uh, short of that attitude control. The problem for them is going to be, you know, without the space station, without international uh, investment, they, they're going to have a hard time just keeping their whole space program running. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think the future for uh, space flight for the Russian space program is pretty bleak. Actually. You hear that? Is there is there a workaround for what the Russians provide through a third party in the United States? For those who are unaware, um, certain companies have offered to step up. Is that is that just hubris, or is it is it actually a real possibility? Well, it's it's possible. What I've been told is it's very challenging. As an example, to use like a, a dragon. Uh, either the crew dragon or the young dragon vehicle to provide that attitude control is uh, very, very dumb. You know, the Russians threatened to like cut the thing in half basically and take their part and go home. Um, it's not even clear that you would actually be able to do that. You know, the thing has been bolted together for so long in that environment. It's not really clear whether it actually come apart. Uh, so um, unfortunately we're kind of stuck. <laughs> in a really, really bad situation because of this kind of symbiotic relationship um, halves of the space station have with one another. Right. Okay, and now lastly, before we're going to go to a couple questions here, uh, your colleague, uh, was there a legitimate fear, uh, reading some of your, your writings, uh, that he'd be left up there? Uh, well, you know, when you, when you see the, the amount of effort that they put in to produce a video that, uh, yeah, to produce a video that that shows them separate or closing the hatch on this guy and leaving him behind. It's, uh, you know, I took it seriously. And that's that's the reason why I called, you know, uh, Rogozin out on, you know, what his space agency was saying, because that's like unconscionable that, you know, you're, they're responsible for his safety, just like we're responsible for the safety of the cops. Um, and we take that seriously. You know, they're, they're your crewmates. They're your your friends, your colleagues. And to threaten to leave somebody behind, abandon them in space, I mean... Like, All for a photo op? Yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, that's why I called him out on that. I felt, uh, you know, with the amount of, uh, I guess with the amount of followers I have on social media, I knew it would get attention. Uh, and 
you know, I did it in a certain way, you know, use a, you know, a diminutive that would, uh, and, and the T form that, uh, really got under his skin. Yeah. You know, I wanted to insult him. No, listen, I don't think anything would, anyone here would think that there's anything but admirable. Like a lot of people don't want to take that stand and you did. So yeah. uh, I, I wanted to you. insult him in a very respectful way. <laughs> yeah, no, it was beautiful. I, I actually read the interchange, and then did, is he still? Does he still have you blocked? No, I'm not blocked anymore. But he has an account set up to where you can't comment unless uh, uh, unless he follows you, I guess. Which basically means you can't comment on anything. Right? I'm pretty much, I guess, a coward in that regard. He's scared of uh, the truth, right? Yeah. No, it would see. It would seem that. No, it was very deftly handled, and I think uh, a lot of people look at you as a hero because. Uh, sometimes in this in this confrontation, there are people who don't want to speak up enough. What do you uh, do, do? You feel that you know what what can Americans do? Uh, North Americans, uh, Europeans, um, to to keep bringing light to this issue because we're we're promoting uh, through Reaid and and Walter Report. We're report we're we're promoting um, the uh, Veterans Affairs, Ukrainian Veterans Affairs, Ukrainian Ministry of Defense uh, exhibits in the White House actually this summer, uh, Times Square. These are things we're doing in addition to providing humanitarian and non-lethal military aid. Uh, aside from things like that, is you know we've told people contact your representatives. Um, do you expect more from people or or more from you know public figures and celebrities? Anything? Yeah. Well, I, you know I think everyone should be doing whatever they can to you know support Ukraine to raise awareness to raise. Uh, money because you know this is not just about Ukraine this is about this is about freedom this is about uh, you know the self-determination of, of a population that has implications throughout Europe and and around the world I mean we just can't um, let the world basically uh, be blackmailed by uh, a madman and so you know some people may think well this is on the other side of the ocean and it's a European country that, you know, a lot of Americans wouldn't even be able to find on a map um, that, you know, it does have implications for us and, and our liberties here as well, long-term, I think. So uh, we should all be doing whatever we possibly can. And that's, that's how I feel. And that's what I do. Um, and that's, uh, you know, why I've been so vocal about it. Amazing. Thank you. Um, We've got John. John here is one of our co-hosts. There was a question he had for you. Go ahead, John. Uh, thank you, Huda, and uh, thank you, Scott, for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to have you. Uh, the question Thanks, I wanted sir. to ask, the question I wanted to ask you was, uh, in your opinion, do you think um, ITAR restrictions should be relaxed to allow uh, a number of U.S. aerospace and space companies uh, to establish operations uh, and divisions uh, in countries outside the United States, uh, such as uh, Ukraine, for example? Huh. You know, ITAR is, you know, it's it's one of the reasons, you know, why we don't, uh, you know, our participation with, with China, as an example, it, it, in space has been uh, challenging, I, I guess I would say. Um, you know, I'm not an expert on, on ITAR. Uh, I do know NASA has struggled with it uh, throughout. Uh, Scott, mic check. I think we might have... Uh... Lost him for a sec. Scott's going through. Maybe uh, he's on a drive, so perhaps to share, uh, you know, technical uh, technical interchange. It need to be. Hey, uh, Scott. It's uh, if you can hear us. 
He can't. Yeah. Just we'll let him finish. Yeah, Scott, you broke up a bit in the middle there. Okay. Well, I just think you know. I think just think we need to be doing whatever we can to support Ukraine, and if that means uh, if that means uh, you know relief on ITAR, if that helps in some ways uh, Ukraine, I think we should do it. I'll mention it to my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and for 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 the audience, you have a twin brother. Looks almost like you. Mm, yeah. Amazing. Okay. Uh, Battlemus, you had a question uh, initially. You want to go? Uh, yes, sir. I uh, first off, you know, I'm I'm over. I, I said it earlier, over the moon that you're here. Uh, a little ironic, but uh, you tweeted the other day about talking to some Russian pilots about. Uh, and uh, for the audience that doesn't know, you're you're an old uh, Tomcat driver. So uh, you, you, you said, if I turn my, uh, my F-14 into you, what do you do? And they yeah. all kind of looked at you with blank stares. And, you know, we've been seeing this degradation of, uh, of, of the training. And uh, we all understand that Russia is the ghost of the Soviet Union. Like, they, they don't infrastructure that the, that the Soviets had and, and, and the training and the maintenance and whatnot. Uh, with that in mind, are we seeing the death of Roscosmos? Well, I think Roscosmos is going to have a hard time, uh, you know, funding their space program without international investment, uh, which they relied on greatly from NASA, but also, you know, their commercial sat- uh, launch uh, business was uh, was really a big part of their budget. So, yeah, I think it's probably a, a slow death. You know, kind of like, you know, the Russian economy right now is, um, even though, you know, the ruble is uh, outperforming every other world currency currently, uh, the the economy is in a a slow decline. So, yeah, I think so. But getting back to your first point about the, uh, you know, the, the fighter pilot thing, you know, over the course of my time at NASA, occasionally, you know, dealing with, you know, Russian, former Russian military pilots, you'd have a conversation with them. Well, the first thing is striking is how little flight time they, you know, 500 hours is a lot of time for, for them. 500 hours in the U S air force and the, and the U S Navy is you're a new guy. I mean, you're, you're dangerous uh, to yourself. You're not very, uh, you're not very competent. So, you know, they don't get a whole lot of flight time. And then, you know, I've had conversations with, uh, you know, one guy that, he was flying MiG 29s on the other side of the, uh, you know, the Swedish, in Norway, the, the other side, the side of the fjords. I think probably the Swedish border. Uh, while I was flying a Tomcat at the very same time, and I've had this similar conversation with a few guys like this, and I'm like, okay, you know, you're in, you're in your MiG 29, I'm in my Tomcat. Uh, we pass 180, 180 out. I turn into you. What do you do? And they're like just blank stare no idea what i'm talking about and the fact that you know as a fighter pilot you need to know you know the performance of your airplane and how it compares to your adversary whatever that adversary may be and then how that defines your tactics you know whether i'm gonna try to you know fight them in a in a in a circle like a radius fight to you know fly a smaller circle or a rate fight if i can outrate them you know, whether you turn into me or away from me, you know, it depends on what airplane you're going up against. They didn't not not only did they not know the answer, 
they didn't even know what to question, you know, and I think that's a level of, of their competence. And I think it's being demonstrated now in Ukraine. And is that when they were good, though? That was under the Soviet? You know, I think a lot of those guys were, you know, were in the transition period, uh, kind of like I was. You know, when I when I was younger as a fighter pilot, um, I was in the in the Persian Gulf when the uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed. So, yeah, I think a lot of those guys started out as Soviet pilots and uh, in the beginning of their career and then were Russian pilots uh, uh, as well. So the reason why I mention is because we talk about uh, Soviet doctrine and some people even talked about how the Soviets had a better system than the Russians. Uh, and just by judging, you know, from advanced army operations courses where we learn uh, how the so how the Russians will attack and how we'll defend Ariana or Tropia from Ariana. Uh, we talk about you know the doctrine and uh, and then how they've not followed the doctrine. And now it's kind of becoming more clear that perhaps they weren't ever really as good as we thought they were. And it's interesting that you mention that because those pilots you would have conversed with would have had all of the benefits of um, yeah. the Soviet Air Force, which was supposed to be. You know the ones that scared the guys in Top Gun, right? So yeah. interesting. Hmm. Yeah, my brother recently had some uh, a few Ukrainian pilots in his office. Uh, for those on the call that aren't isn't aren't aware, my brother's a U.S. senator, and uh, he said, you know, they have like before the war, they didn't have much flight time either, right? But they certainly have a lot more now. But he said one thing about them was they did have an awareness of you know basic fighter tactics, which was good to see. And I think that's because a lot of them spent time, or so, at least some of them spent time in the U.S., you know, training uh, with U.S. NATO pilots and then taking that experience and what they learned back to their, their squadrons in Ukraine. Amazing. All right, uh, Donnie has a question for you. Go ahead, Donnie. Perfect. Thank you, sir. Um, that perfect segue to my question. Uh, given your work modernizing 14 in the 90s, um, do you believe that America and its allies have the capability with Lend-Lease to uh, recommission certain platforms? And what, in your opinion, would uh, financial, financially training and supply commitments, would, like, would it take? Thank so, you. So, yeah, I think Lend-Lease is great. I think, you know, I've been to the boneyard out there, Davis-Motham, outside of uh, Tucson, Arizona. And we got, I mean, thousands of airplanes there, uh, some of which could be made. Uh, flight uh, capable. Unfortunately, no Tomcats. Um, they were all destroyed uh, because uh, Iran still flies the F-14 and there was a pretty lucrative market for spare parts. So uh, Congress passed a law. I think it was my sister-in-law, Gabby, Gabby Giffords, that was one of the sponsors of this that, uh, you know, uh, had this law passed that got rid of my beloved F-14 Tomcat. You know, we still had them, and I would sure love to jump back into the airplane and head right over to Ukraine to see if I could help out. But, um, yeah, I think we should do that. You know, A-10s would be great. I don't know how many we have to spare, but, uh, you know, a squadron of A-10s would probably do some serious damage to the, you know, Russian armor and uh, artillery units. 100%. Um, we're going to, uh, just, uh, some housekeeping, please re- re- retweet this space, <clears throat> let everyone know we're here with, uh, <clears throat> Commander Scott Kelly, 
Uh, also, I, there are some people requesting to speak, and out of respect for Scott's time, I'm going to need you to send me a message with your question to curate them. Uh, I don't know you, and I can't message you. So um, that's for your John, Carol, and Ralph. Um, and uh, great, there we go. Uh, we also have a, uh, some other distinguished guests here. We have a, a Peter, who's a adjunct fellow at the FDD, and David Leopold, who's an immigration lawyer extraordinaire from the United States and was on Obama's transition team. Uh, and, of course, we have Axel, one of our uh, regular uh, amazing hosts, who is a former German military now living in Estonia. So let's go to Anna first, and then for those who want to ask a question, please send me a message. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for joining our space. It's sincerely appreciated. Gives uh, the message, gives Ukraine a whole lot more exposure. Thank you for that. Um, you were just talking about the boneyard and weapon system. Now, most recently, the Australians were about to sell off their classic F-18s to a used leasing company that deal fell through. I think it may need a little nudge to get them into different hands. And uh, there is a lot of F-15 strike eagles which could come in handy. Why not train our Ukrainian friends on these systems? Because the war will take on a lot longer. You know, you could probably train these guys to fly the airplane pretty quickly. Uh, you, know, you know, operating the weapon systems, that's going to take a lot longer. But, uh, and I don't know how many pilots they have to spare. But certainly if you had, if you had pilots to spare right now, maybe they don't have, a, you know, enough uh, mission-capable airplanes to fly. Yeah, I, I think sending them over and, uh, in anticipation of getting, you know, at some point some Hornets, uh, some Strike Eagles. Uh, but it's going to take time. I mean, I would think, you know, an experienced MiG-29 pilot could be flying, you know, being able to take off land very, very quickly. The, the issue is, you know, being able to effectively employ the weapon system. You know, that's going to take, you know, months uh, to learn how to do that. And, but, you know, if the, if the guys are available and, and our government uh, or, you know, some NATO country governments uh, or, or Australia, for that matter, uh, are interested in training them, I, yeah, I think it's great. All people right. Are, uh, can I just uh, follow up? Follow, yeah. People, are always, yeah. people are always talking about the fact that the supply train, the maintenance crews and the likes are difficult to get. I mean, they are important, yes, and they are a challenge. But now that the land lease is in place and more commitments have been given and signed yesterday, um, if we don't start now, they will never be ready. So I can start now. Yeah, I just think people need to keep hitting their, their representatives, uh, you know, hard over this and, and encouraging them to do whatever we can right now. I mean, the longer.